0: Yesterday was also the one-year memorial of our beloved Sangha sister Jikai Jane Keenan, wife of Sagyo Terry Keenan. and mother of Connor Keenan, who is here today, and Brenna Keenan-Subarwal. Sagio wrote me from Ireland. This morning I went to the little churchyard to offer flowers Water and incense, a little bit of chanting, and some memories. I was astonished to find a small collection of friends there waiting for me. These days, communications are a bit iffy, since so many of us are isolated, but our little peninsula family somehow gets word around. So we had an impromptu, tiny, muintir, byer sangha memorial service. I find myself, he writes, in my reading just before morning sitting, going back to Dogen again for the umpteenth time. Something he wrote about thusness has inspired this small poem below, but also helped me understand what we do to ourselves with time and grief. I don't think the past has to be just memories. Our sources are there to touch if we are open enough. And the future is what we made it and make it, regardless of how unexpected it may seem. The future doesn't have to be fear and hope. The latter is wishful thinking, and the former ignorance and denial. So here is the poem he wrote. You are neither young nor old, for you inherit you, moment by moment, as the universe inherits the universe, where there are no moments or wares." On May 25th, just under a week ago amid more than a 100,000 deaths from COVID-19 in the United States, we suffered a loss. In its indictment of our nation, yet another black man murdered by a white police officer. George Floyd died gasping, I can't breathe, just as Eric Garner did as he was choked to death in 2014, shopping while black, jogging. While black, bird watching. While black, driving. While black, catching the virus and dying. While black, how do we countenance? The ongoing violence, economic inequity, and injustice stemming from more than 400 years of racism. My friend Beth Broadway, who is president of Interfaith Works of Central New York, wrote in a recent newsletter. Systemic racism forces us to ask why some of us are sicker and dying in larger numbers. If the answer is that poorer health outcomes come from living where the streets are unsafe and the air and water are polluted, or that adequate healthcare facilities and outdoor space are lacking or that there is a dearth of healthful and affordable food, then the job of our growing compassion and commitment to one another will surely increase our collective desire to create the opposite. This she wrote, is the job of all of us, both during this time and coming out of this time. We cannot provide a food box and a mask and then get on with our lives. This is a time to take to heart what Dr. King has called us to do, and that is the creation of beloved community, where our connection to each other is held precious, and our responsibility to each other is held sacred." In my last talk to you, I spoke of the old man who was condemned to 500 lifetimes as a fox for saying, an enlightened person is free from the yoke of causation. He begged Hyakujo Ekai Zenji for a turning word. And Hyakujo said, An enlightened person does not ignore causation. No matter where we are on the path toward full liberation, we cannot ignore causation. And we cannot ignore our responsibility to each other. The pain is too immense for one community to bear alone, Joe Biden said. In response to George Floyd's murder. I believe, he said, it is the duty of every American to grapple with it and to grapple with it now. With our complacency, our silence, we are complicit in perpetuating these cycles of violence. Nothing about this will be easy or comfortable. But if we simply allow this wound to scab over once more, without treating the underlying injury, we will never truly heal. End quote. And his statement reminded me of what the Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr. said in his letter from jail in Birmingham, Alabama. I am cognizant of the interrelatedness of all communities and states. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. And the quote that you all know so well, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. For MLK, Every action came from that cognizance, which was based on a deep wellspring of faith. You remember in the no- mid 1950s, he was mobilizing the Black community in Montgomery, Alabama, for a boycott of the city's segregated bus lines. And one night, after phone calls from men who threatened to blow out his brains and blow up his house, he had an awakening a deep experience of God's presence. And this is what he said. I could hear an inner voice saying, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. For King, for each of us, faith in that inner voice and standing up for righteousness, Justice and truth are inseparable. This global pandemic is the end of the world, not just for the millions who have died, but for life as We have come to know it for all our comfortable assumptions. We cannot go on as we have been. A new paradigm is demanded one that tears away the blinders of ignorance. How do we create this new paradigm? How do we respond not from our separated identities but from kings network of mutuality or as the Buddhist metaphor puts it from Indra's net with each facet of each jewel at each intersection luminously reflecting all the others. So we have to feel the pain. We can't hide in self-protective justification. When our hearts are torn open, when we are awake to the suffering all around us. Only then can we find the will to change, individually and as a nation. Only then does compassion in its true meaning suffering with inform our deeds. So in solidarity and faith We sit, we sit in, we sit, we breathe, we chant, we pray. Our eyes are bathed in tears. Mind and body fall away. Time drops away. We enter into Shunyata, boundlessness, the emptiness of all phenomena. Buddha nature pervades the whole universe revealing right here, now. And then what? Then we rise up. We stand up from the cushion, from the chair, We stand up together coming from stillness with faith in the fundamental threefold refuge of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Clarity of mind guides our interactions. And maybe we make a mistake, maybe we fall down, what do we do? Humbly we bow. Asking for forgiveness, no excuses tolerated, and then we stand up again and we forge connections that issue from the depths of our interconnectedness. Yes, we're in the midst of a deadly pandemic, but we've learned how to sit together online Listen to each other online. And we can stand up for justice and work with each other online, on the line. There's work to do. You know, it's been 55 years since Selma, Alabama, and we still have to protect the right to vote. with the most important election of our time coming this fall. Obaku asked the young Rinzai who was about to visit another teacher. When you get there, what will you do? Rinzai said, when I get there, I'll know what to do. We're here. Coming from faith in this one mind, we know what to do. And when that faith wavers, we sit down and shut up. Again and again, we return to stillness, silencing mere views, and opinions, so that our engagement is informed by insight. We check our intention, check our aspiration, Are we in alignment with the Buddha's teaching of the Eightfold Path, or is our egocentric conditioning leading us astray? Is our understanding clear? What is our motivation? Is our speech helpful? Are our actions beneficial? Does our work support the welfare of others? One's life is shaped by one's mind. We become what we think, the Buddha says in the Dhammapada. Suffering follows a harmful thought As the wheels of a cart follow the oxen that draw it. Joy follows a pure thought like a shadow that never leaves. Are we training with diligence? Are we giving our full attention to whatever task we are engaged in? To this very moment without drifting off into a morass of self-absorption and distraction, check. And are we committing to Zazen with faith and understanding? We circle back to understanding, to insight. This eightfold path is indeed a circle, the circle of the way, as Dogen put it. And every step we take is a commitment. Life is short. Mystery profound. Let's commit to it with persistence and perseverance. This is the path that I myself have followed, the Buddha said. But all the effort must be made by you, Buddhas. Only show the way.